there's a way of saving, there's a way of saving taxes by going through a trust. And what was interesting is I had just uh, learned from some of you have heard us talk about the uh, the Pollywood that uh, that new building material and how they're paying their investors is the money that is invested goes into a trust and when you get your money back your interest or your equity whatever depending upon what uh, how you arranged your um, investment it comes through a trust and basically the majority of it up to a certain point and I don't know exactly how it works comes in tax-free so when Don said he knew how to do this I was like please tell us we're interested so uh Don I'm going to let you take over okay and start telling us the magic of a trust and are you recording now sir I am recording yes okay cool okay so I'm very uh happy to be invited thank you very much for letting me in your group and my name is Don Thornton I am all over the internet if you want to find me. Uh, I, I have, I wear two hats right now. Uh, I'm known as Don the short sale guy because I've been doing short sales for 20 years in Florida. And this year I'm expanding my business uh, throughout the entire country. So for those of you who ever come upon short sales, I'll tell you on properties that the homeowner, homeowner wants to sell and obviously they can't sell this upside down. I would love to joint venture with you. That's what that's that I'm, I've done 3,500 of these things in 20 years. So uh, we can do this. We can do them in our sleep, but I'm not here to talk about that. I just want to give you an idea of who I am uh, as part of my, as part of my um, uh, real estate business. I heard about this a couple of years ago and from another, from a wholesaler actually. And I was a little skeptical at first because it's like, okay, it sounds great or whatever. But one thing that, that really caught my eye was he said that, you know, you don't have, you, with this trust, you don't ever pay capital gains taxes. I was like, well, I got the dog, squirrel, squirrel. Okay, yes, <laughs> let me hear, I want to hear about that. So he explained it to me and, and actually what happened was he invited me over. It's kind of a funny story. He invited me over for Thanksgiving and I didn't want to go. Honestly, I didn't want to go. And he said, look, I'm, I'm making prime rib. And I said, okay, I'll go to prime rib. I'll go for that. And so, you know, he says, well, coming over, we'll spend a lot of time. I got something to talk to you about or whatever. So I said, okay, oh, he's going to pitch me on some MLM thing or whatever. But, you know, the prime rib is the price to pay, whatever. But actually, he started talking about the trust and how this works. And we talked for like six hours, you know, no football just going over this and I answered all these, I mean, I asked all these questions and so forth. And it was just like, wow, this really, really is interesting. So I said, I'm interested. So let's learn, you know, so we, I did my due diligence and I went over everything. I said, you know what, this is absolutely legit. I'm going to do this. So I went ahead and got a trust uh, for my company, my real estate investing company. And I can tell you that in 19 years at that point in time of doing my real estate investing, not, look, not to brag, I mean, this may be good, big money, maybe crap money for you guys, I don't know, but I've never made less than $600,000 in my real estate investing here, flipping short sales. I mean, it's been up as high as a million something, million five, million six during the Great Recession, but uh, I've always had to pay taxes. So that was the first year that I never paid taxes, that it was zero 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 so it was an amazing thing for me it was like wow this is pretty cool so i decided on april 16th when my accountant told me that hey you're good to go 
I said, you know what, I'm going to start talking about this to people because this is, this is an amazing thing. It's a nice, you know, side business as well. I mean, no bones about it. I do, you know, there's a charge for this, but um, it is definitely worth it. So how does this work? Well, does anybody here in the group, do you have any issues with capital gains at all? I mean, do you, is that something that, that, that is a, a pain point for you or should I just focus on something on the other part of it? No, I will have capital gains soon. So I would love to know about it. Okay. All right. So this is, this trust is called, and I'll put this in the chat. Okay. It is a non-grantor irrevocable complex discretionary in thrift trust. Okay. That's a mouthful. It is. And it is uh, based on contract law, which is very important because anything that was created by the legislature, LLCs, land trusts, CNS corporations are, that was a creature of the, of the legislature and it has to abide by their rules. Can you guys give me two seconds? My, my power is going to dilate my power cord. Okay. I'll be right back. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Claire's battery's dying, and my, uh, I just looked up on my power. It's about down at 15%. It's not going to make it the entire time, so I got to get my power back on. Okay, so anyway, uh, so talking about contract law. So basically, then, uh, this, the nice thing about this trust is that, you know, you do not have to register this with uh, your local state because it's, like I said, I mean, in Florida, my S Corp or an LLC or anything else, you got to register with the Secretary of State of the, of the, of the, of the local you know, state government and pay annual fees every month and blah, 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 blah. You don't have to do that with this one. It's awesome. So you get much more anonymity with this. You do anything else. But that's really not the biggest reason why I want to do it. So in a nutshell, this trust has been in existence for well over 100 years. It's been actually it's been around since uh, the forming of the, of the, of the country. The accounting firm that works with the company that sells the trust, uh, they are servicing a couple of trusts now that have been in existence since the early 1800s. It just goes to show you how long these trusts have been out there. Now, the only real modification that had to be done with these trusts were you know, when the IRS was established and the tax code was established in the 1930s, then they had to you know, make sure that it was in, in congruence or uh, with uh, IRS code 643, which is where all the tax savings come from. And I'll get into that here shortly. So anyway, this trust is amazing. So I'll tell you just real briefly that you know, it's non-grantor, which means you cannot set the trust up and be the trustee. You have to have a third party set the trust up for you, name you the trustee, which is very easy. Uh, it's irrevocable, which means that your assets, and if we're all real estate investors here, your properties have to be sold into the trust for it to become trust property. You can't treat the trust as a 
holding pin to move stuff in and out. You won't get any tax advantages if you do that. Uh, it's discretionary, which means that, you know, as trustee, you have 100% control over the assets to manage and, you know, um, maintain them uh, on, behalf, on behalf of the beneficiaries. And the last one is spendthrift. Spendthrift means that this trust is as uncrackable as you can get with asset protection. The only way that it can be cracked is if they can prove that you did something criminal or you were committing fraudulent activity. Other than that, they can't get to it. They're, they can't do any court overturn orders. They can't do any liens, any seizures, none of that. They can't come after you personally. They can't come after you as trustee. And they can't, so it's, it's an amazing, the asset protection is off the charts. So, but that's, I mean, that's awesome. That's not really what we're talking about right now because I know you guys- Can are, I ask a quick question? Please. If, if I am not going to be in the trustee, how do I have 100% control over it? Well, you'd want to be the trustee. I thought you said that as a non-grantor, uh, I cannot be the trustee. No, I said you can't create the trust and then be the trustee. Okay, so what I did, for example, was I just had my neighbor actually officially create the trust. So he did, he did, he signed three documents. He created the trust, he named me trustee, and he resigned immediately. Okay, so okay. that's what that's what he did. So, um, so yes, you definitely you need to be the trustee because it's where all the the power is, right? And then as far as um, as far as inheritance, yes, once your assets are in the trust then if they stay in the trust until you sell them and you put your beneficiaries in there and you set up a succession. So for example, in my trust, I have my wife is, is, is a beneficiary, but she's also my successor trustee. In case something happens to me, then she takes over as trustee. I also have my two children, my, my daughter and my son who are you know, 21, 29, and then my grandson's in there as well. So if anything happens to my wife, then my daughter will take over. So this is a generational thing. We want this to continue the, you know, for generations upon in. So any assets that are in there, they are there for the family to enjoy. So they never, you never have to worry about inheritance or estate tax because they're already in the trust and everybody else is in the trust. Like the Rockefellers. I mean, they've had their trust since 1914 and they're still, they still have the same trust. I think they're on like their fourth or fifth generation. And they have like, last time I heard there's like 350 something family members, they're still in that one trust. So that's, uh, that just goes to show you the longevity and why people want to. So who's trust. making these trusts? Do you have the name of the attorney? No, it's, it's a company that I represent. And I'll get to that when I, when I'm, when I'm, uh, when I get when oh, I finish okay. up with the presentation. Okay? okay. So let's talk about capital. Let's talk about, well, the process of selling a trust. Okay. Selling the property of the trust. If you have investment properties, okay, you want to sell them at the price that you acquired them at, minus depreciation. And the reason why we do that is because we don't want to create a capital gains event, tax event with the sale. We're not looking to make a profit on this, okay? You do not get cash or any consideration except for a note. The trust is going to give you a note for that. So let's say, for example, that the, the value of the properties that you're selling at the trust is like, say, a million dollars. I mean, they might be worth, you know, two, three million dollars on the open market. It doesn't matter. But your price is a million dollars. It's going to the trust, which is basically your cost minus depreciation. So the trust is going to give you a note 
It's called a demand note, actually. And you can draw upon that whenever you want, provided there's enough money in the trust bank account to, to pay you, of course. So if you had a million dollars demand note, then you could go to the trust and say, okay, I want 50 grand out of that. So the trust would cut you a check for 50 grand. And that would, that would reduce your demand note from, 100, from 1 million down to $950,000, okay? So you can keep taking withdrawals from your demand note uh, until it, it goes, it goes uh, you know, That's it zeroes out. So now, by the way, any withdrawals that you make from there, they are not taxable events. I hire somebody. Oh, so that is uh, that. That so understand that. So there, that's also tax. Uh, that's tax. Uh, you know, no, there's no uh, tax involved in that. So, so now that we've got, now that we have the trust set up, you're the trustee. You've determined who your trustee. Or excuse me, your beneficiaries are. You sold your assets into the trust in this manner that we talked about. Now, uh, we can move on to the next step about taxes. All right. This trust has is in complete accordance with IRS code 643. One of those codes, I mean, one of the one of the clauses in, these, in, in 643 says that as long as your trust assets are in the trust, you, the trust sells them as the, as the seller, and you, you, know, you the, the transaction is finalized. The title company wires the money back into your trust account. All right. As long as you keep that money inside the corpus of the trust, it is not a taxable event. Capital gains are excluded. You do not have to pay them, which means you do not have to do a 1031 exchange at all. People who use the trust never have to use cap. never have to worry about doing a 1031 exchange. You don't have to do. I mean, I, I know some investors that are going putting money into property in enterprise, excuse me, opportunity zones, just because they know that in 10 years, they keep their money uh, in, the, in the opportunity zone for 10 years, they won't have to pay capital gains taxes. I know people that are going to um, Puerto Rico to, you know, to, to, to stay there 183 days out of the year to avoid taxes. You don't have to do that. So you can live where you're at, stay where you're at. And you don't, you're, 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 you can have, you legally, never have to pay capital gains taxes again. So your rental property, your properties that are um, you have income coming into, they're coming into the trust, passive income that comes in the trust is also, can, can, uh, can, can the taxes can be deferred forever and never have to be paid as long as you don't take any disbursements outside the trust. It's very important, okay? So all of these, these tax advantages are in the trust because the trust is, you know, in complete compliance with IRS code 643. So uh, that's really an amazing thing. Now I'm, I'm going to get into a little bit more of the weeds here about how you can set this up for ordinary income. Does anybody here flip? Marianne does. <laughs> okay. Marianne, you're a flipper. Okay. Is anybody else? I have a quick question. Please. Uh, my friend is uh, parents' properties in a trust they bought for twenty five thousand. Today the value is eight hundred thousand. Mm -hmm. Somehow they made this kind of trust, but they don't understand how to take out the money or to sell it because they don't want to pay taxes and have the new taxes and eight hundred thousand. So how does one spend the money, which is you know the new price? 
over the old price? Well, here's the thing. You, um, you can certainly, Kathleen, of course you can tap the money. That's not the point. Um, as trustee, as this money comes in, you can use that to invest in other properties. You can use that to do whatever you want with the trust. The right, we're so used to writing things off and thinking to ourselves, can I write this off? Is this a write-off or whatever? What people don't realize is that almost everything you do is a trust expense that the trust can pay for, especially if you are, um, especially if you are, um, you know, if well, I lost my train of thoughts here. So everything's a trust expense. So basically, um, if you have your properties, right, in the trust, if you have your vehicles in the trust, anything that has to do with those assets are a trust expense. When you, if anybody has beneficiaries that are under 21 years of age, the trust can pay for all of their education. They can pay for all of their medical, all of your medical, all of your stuff, any wellness things have to be done. So from experience, I can tell you that you really don't need a huge amount of cash when you, when you have everything to the trust as you're the trustee, because almost everything you can do is a trust expense. Now there's only three things that it won't pay for. It's, we call them the three Fs. It's, it's food, fashion, and fun, okay? So if I go down to the store to buy a week's worth of groceries, I'm not going to use that on my, I'm not going to have the trust pay for that, right? If we go to Disneyland, we're not going to pay for that. But, uh, and if I want to go down and, you know, buy a tux for whatever reason, and I, unless it's for a, a business expense, right? If, if the trust is involved somehow, that's, you know, that, that's, that's, that's okay. But I mean, um, I know that if I do need some money, very rarely, and I'll tell you this, I have in, in 18 months, I have not tapped my demand note one time. The million dollar demand note is still there. I have not tapped it once, okay? So don't think that, oh my gosh, well, I've got all this money in, in the trust and I'm not gonna be able to pull anything out. No, no, you can, first of all, 95% of what you do in your life can legitimately be considered a, a trust expense. So a trust is going to pay for that with pre-tax money and you don't have to do it with, with uh, uh, post-tax money, right? And also what you can do as well, and we're going to get in the tax part of it here in just a second, but all this money, all this money that's coming in that would have been taxed or would have been put in a 1031 exchange of some way to, to, to avoid paying taxes, that's now in your trust. That's like you're getting like 30 20 to 30% raise and how much money you have available to spend because you're not paying taxes on it. So now you can take that, that, that windfall that you're getting from this trust and you can set up a whole life policy. You can fund it with the tax savings. The trust is the uh, owner of the policy. The trust is the beneficiary of the, of the policy. And, by, and, and because it's inside the trust, you're not paying a dime in taxes on any interest or dividends that you're gonna be paid from the policy. And, and you get to 70, 90% to be able to borrow against that policy uh, almost, almost immediately with the trust that you can't do with other infinite banking policies or strategies that are out there, which by the way, you're paying for it with post-tax dollars. So um, you can really create a vortex of um, 
wealth, right? And of course, as your cash value grows, then you're going to be able to borrow again, you know, take policy loans and then you use that tax-free money for further investments or whatever you want to do. So you can see there's just so much, there's so, there's so much you can do with this from an investing point of view. But I don't want to get into weeds too much about that because let's talk about the taxes first. Because I know I only have about 30 minutes left and I want to have some time for questions. So uh, so Marianne, you're a flipper, right? And uh, uh, let's see, Alvin, did you say you're a flipper or is it Tyshawn? Tyshawn. Yeah, okay. So you guys are flippers. Okay, so I'm a flipper as well. All right. So I don't run against capital gains taxes that much because I don't hold these properties very often. I'm, I'm a turn and burn guy, but I, that's considered uh, ordinary income for me. So, you know, when you get above $165,000 a year, you're going to get, you know, the, the, I'm paying 32% of, of my, uh, pre, you know, my net income is going to the IRS, the IRS for this. So that, that obviously it's a lot of money. So um, here's how I was able to set this up. And it's, it's a, it's a part of the strategy. And, and listen, guys, what I'm going to describe to you with my real estate investing business can be used with any other source of income except W2. All right. We can't help W-2 employees, you know, bless their hearts. Can't help them. 1099 people, business owners, straight commission, anyone where you're not, you're not getting that, 10, that W-2, you can use the same strategy that I'm going to describe right now. So I'm going to walk you through how I did it with my real estate investing business. And so then you can see how it works. So going back to the formation of the trust. So I sold, I sold all my business, all my personal assets into the trust. Okay. So then my business assets, the assets of my company, HB Funding, were I sold them to myself personally, you know, initially at very little consideration, like I said, a note, right? And then once they were with me, I sold them into the trust the same way. It's for no, you know, no profit there. So now what are my business assets? Yes, I had some properties in there. Yes, um, but a lot of it is not just physical assets, right? All my systems, my goodwill, my Rolodex, all of that stuff, 20 years worth of, of experience and so forth, my connections, everything there has a value added to it. So basically, the, the, the sum of my demand note for the business assets and my personal assets was $1 million, okay? So now my assets, my business assets have been sold into the trust, my S Corp now is a shell. Normally I would have closed it down, but it has, I've had an A plus rating with the Better Business Bureau since 2004. So I'm, that's a very good selling point when I'm talking to people in foreclosure and I'm trying to convince them to work with me instead of those other 1500 vultures trying to get their business. So I kept my real estate investing business intact, but it's a shell, I don't do anything with it, okay? Uh, yes, Alvin, what's your, what's your question? Sorry about that. Uh, you had mentioned, um, just a moment ago when you were presenting this scenario, you used the word sold as opposed to transferred. Yes. Uh, why do you sell it as opposed to transfer? Because it's an irrevo irrevocable trust and you can't transfer it in. It has to be sold into it. And so what I, I don't know if you came or came late, but we talked about this at the beginning yeah. where it has to be sold, but you sell it at a price that's not a, a taxable event. You're not making a profit on it and you're getting a note in as consideration of the sale. 
Okay. So for investment properties, you would be, uh, you know, whatever the price you acquired at minus depreciation. Okay. Okay. So it has to be sold into the trust because it's an irrevocable trust. Okay. And when... if it's not an irrevocable trust, you're not going to get any tax advantages that way. Okay. So if it's an irrevocable <laughs> trust, you have to sell it. But if it's a revocable trust, can you then transfer it over? Well, this strategy won't work if it's, this is, this is an irrevocable trust. So it doesn't. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 that's just, that's a deal breaker. It has to be sold into the trust. Okay. Yeah. I asked because, um, and I apologize. I did get here late, so I didn't hear the beginning, but, um, I asked because we were just looking at a subject to deal uh -huh. and, um, we were, we were giving them instructions on transferring the asset into a trust. And then that way we'd be able to do the transfer of beneficial interest once it's in the trust. You're talking about a land trust? Yeah. Land trust. Yeah. I do land trust all the time. That's a whole different. Ball okay. Completely gotcha. different. This is a, okay. this is a special trust. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So getting back to this. So we have um, now that, like I said, I have got my business assets and my personal assets are now in the trust. My S corp is still there, but I don't use it. So now I'm going to, um, I need to, I'm going to set up an LLC to run my short sale business. So I set an LLC up. I'm going to make the trust a 90% member in that LLC. I'll have a 10 membership membership. I'm the managing member, but the trust is going to have 90% of that. And that's the very important thing here. So the next thing is before my LLC can do any business, Right now, it's empty. It has no assets. The assets of my business are now are always are, they're all in the trust. So the trust is going to lease those assets to the LLC. So that way, the LLC can now, you know, perform the function that my S corp used to, which is contacting people in foreclosure, offering to buy their house. If they're upside down, we do short sales. If they're not, we do subject to equity deals, flip. That's that's the whole business model that I do. So. Let's fast forward to the end of the year and it comes time to do the, the final books. So you, you operate like normal, you deduct everything you can deduct, expense out what you can expense out, but then you're left with you know, your pre-tax net income, which is the point where normally you decide how much your taxes are going to be and how much you're gonna pay. But in this scenario, we still have two expenses that have to be expensed out before the LLC can get down to its uh, true final pre-tax net income. So the trust leased the assets to the LLC. Now the IRS will allow up to 70% of the uh, pre-tax net income to be used as a lease payment. So if my pre-tax net income for the year is $1 million, then 70,000, excuse me, 700,000 of that is going to be transferred to the trust as a lease payment for those assets, which is going to reduce that um, pre-tax net income from 1 million down to 300,000, okay? Now, this the last expense we're gonna take is remember the trust has a 90% stake in that LLC. It needs to be paid for that. So we're gonna take 90% of the LLC, the remaining 300,000 and move that over to the trust as a K-1 distribution. So 270,000 goes over to the trust, leaving only $30,000 as the final 
pre-tax net income for the LLC from which the LLC will calculate what its tax burden is gonna be for that year. So I think that we can all see that, you know, compared to a million or 700,000 or even 300,000, 30,000 is not gonna generate much if any tax uh, liability at all. So in the meantime, we've taken 97,000, $970,000 moved into the trust. Now, now we're going to switch our gears. We're talking about the trust here. Okay, so the trust is here. At least that lease payment comes in. That is passive income for the trust. A K-1 distribution is passive income for the trust. So again, coming back to IRS code 643, as trustee of the trust, I can deem any passive income that comes into the trust as an extraordinary dividend for the trust. And as long as no disbursements are, 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 are taken, right? Then there is no, that is not a taxable event for the trust. So I've converted $970,000 of active ordinary income normally charged at 32% is now over into the trust where there's no taxes paid on it. And it's in the corpus of the trust. And you use that to run your business and to pay for 90 plus percent of whatever your personal expenses are going to be, provided they are, they have to do with assets, the trust and the beneficiaries. Okay. So that, I know that's probably like a, you might have a lot of questions or whatever about that, but I just want to show you in general how that works. Now, again, a lot of you are not flippers. So this doesn't really appeal to that. It doesn't really cover that. But if you're you have buying holds and you have rents coming in, those are also coming in as passive income for the trust. Therefore, they're in the corpus of the trust. There's no disbursements taken. There's no taxes on that at all. Okay. That's the beauty of this. And um, I mean, I don't know how I, I don't know why in the world I ever, ever had my business without this because, you know, I, I didn't know about it, of course. So that's the, that's the thing. Now the trust I've answered the question before. This is not the trust has a copyright, you know, to the trust. So basically, the company I work with is called IWS. You know, when someone says they want to come in and purchase a trust, you purchase from the company, and they actually send you the trust book. That's what happened with me. And can then, you can you repeat the name of the company? Yeah, I'll put it in the chat. It's IWS. Okay. It's out of okay. Dallas, and I'll leave you my uh, my uh, the website. Uh, that's the website okay you can go there and check everything out all right so anyway um so you get the trust book and you know the what what, what the company will walk you through exactly how it should, it should be set up how it make sure that you hold your hand you get a year's worth of of uh, hand holding for you know as part of your investment and the accounting firm that has been using the trust has been servicing trust clients for over 30 years. They will even do your first year's tax return with the trust as part of the, as part of the initial investment. And they have been doing this, like I said, for 30 years. Um, the CPA, his name's Richard Stimson. He said recently that he lost track of how many returns that he's done for his clients in this period of time. But he said, over $10,000, over 10,000 returns. Not once has he even, even been, any of his clients have even been audited about this. Um, it's clean, it works, it's proven. 
and it's 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 amazing strategy. So, um, you know, it's it works for buy and hold. It works for flippers. And like I said, anybody that is not a W-2 employee can use the same strategy. Now, I apologize. I don't have a display because when we um, uh, when Claire was having her difficulty, she said I couldn't do a, a PowerPoint because she was worried about not being able to, she's going to be booted off or whatever. So I'm just doing this verbally, but I apologize for that. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I have one ready, but oh, well, it is what it is. <laughs> Sorry about that. But I'm just going through it. <laughs> so let me understand this just yeah. as a question as a flipper. Please. Um, and this may be similar to how you use your LLC for your probates. Because I've been obviously I've been buying my flips. Short sales. Just, I don't do probate. Uh, that's sorry. I know yeah. that, but misspoke. Um, <clears throat> so I buy my flips through my LLC. Sometimes I buy with a JVC partner, so we own different percentages. Right. So say I bought a flip for three hundred fifty thousand. Mm -hmm. Now we're putting a hundred thousand into the flip. Okay. To start with that, what's our valuation? Would we do the full valuation of what we're putting into it? Whatever whatever your cost is, cost basis. Okay. Right. Okay. So the cost basis would roughly be 450 Minus depreciation if you have it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it's flipping, I don't know if anything really right. depreciates. Exactly. So say <clears throat> say we've done something for 450000 right. At what point do I sell this to the trust? Well, you, you would sell it to the trust when you acquire, I mean, ideally you would have the trust set up. And then when you acquired the property, you acquired it as a trust property. Okay. Yes. So you would buy it through the trust to meet mm -hmm. first yes. hand. Yes. You want to, if you set trust up, you want to make sure that everything goes to the trust. So if you're buying property, you want the trust to be the owner of the property. Now, if you're not using cash, your own cash. Right. If you're using a loan of financing, hard right. money, private money. How does that work? It's well, what you can do then is it's almost like a modified subject too, in the sense you go ahead and, and you, you can do it, whether you want, you know, do personally or do it through an LLC, whatever, however you want to do it. But once that transaction is finalized, you've got the financing on it, then you want to then sell it into the trust and, and understand guys, this, none of this stuff is being recorded because you don't have to. So what happens is that basically if I, if I have a, let's say, for example, I take a property subject to, all right. So, uh, you know, 50, you know, hundred thousand dollar mortgage, I paid the homeowner 120, then I know I can sell it for 200. Okay. So um, even though, and I'm still, you know, the trust is going to make the payments on, you know, the, the, the mortgage payments for the, for the uh, original buy, original owner as a trust expense, but I'm going to sell it at 120, because that's what I have into it, into the trust. And since there's no, um, there's no, there's no, I mean, yeah, because I mean, it's just zero. So basically it's zeros out. So then it's sold to the trust. Okay. So I have a warranty deed from me to the trust. And then I have an assignment of note in the trust. That's, that makes it, so it makes it legal for the, the trust to make the payments to the, the mortgage company, but it's not recorded. When it comes time to sell it, then I give the copy of the warranty deed to the title company 
as proof that chain of title. This is how it worked. And so then it's recorded because you don't have to worry about due on sale clauses by that time. And then you sell it and, and everything's done. So you would use the same principle for if you, if you want to uh, finance the property, finance it outside the trust, and then sell it to the trust like we talked about. So you're yeah. selling it like it's a subject to, so the exactly, trust yes. then takes over paying the mortgage from distinct yes, to the Yes, the trust then pays the mortgage, the trust pays for utilities, trust <laughs> pays for the rehab, pays for all of that as a trust expense. And and that's just the money that's gone in. Mm-hmm. Then when you sell it right. and you make X amount of money, that right. all goes into the trust. Well, not all of it, because if you've got a partner who doesn't have his own trust, well, obviously, yeah. you're, for you're you, paying yes. You're yes, paying off goes, the bank. Yes. Whatever profit is yours. Yes. Now, yeah, exactly. So that's the, what we're doing here is that, that we, we, if you buy an LLC, for example, you got someone as a truck, you know, someone there's a partner, then the 90% would be your share, be 90% of your share, not that, not your partner's share. You right, see? right. Okay. Because then 90% of that's going to go over to the trust. And then, or I think it's like 97% that's going to go over to the trust. And then you're only going to have your part left over for your tax liability from that transaction, the LLC. Okay. Okay. The, the majority of that money of your money, your profit is going over to the trust where, where you have taxes on. And if you have passive income in a place, do you then say, I, I have a couple of single family homes. So I just sell that to the trust in a similar way. That's kind of a the trust is a la- the trust is the landlord now, and they pay the checks to the trust. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I yes, think uh, Mini, Mini Galeria, go ahead. Mini, to unmute. Okay. Uh, say I create this irre- uh, non-irrevocable trust, yes. and then my son becomes the first beneficiary. I'm gone my grandson becomes the second beneficiary at some point, if they want to close out the trust, what happens then? Well, I mean, hopefully you never do. Right. I mean, that's the whole goal. Uh, but if the trust, if the trust, uh, if you're going to zero out the trust at some given time, generations later or whatever, then, you know, if there were any taxes, Oh, they're going to have to be paid. So the actual new value uh, as assessed at that time, correct? Yeah, whatever, you know, if that, the whole idea here, like I said, and, and we're going to go back to the, the examples that we had before, where we have, you know, like, like the accounting firm has trusts that are still in existence since the 1800s, and the Rockefellers started in 1914. The whole idea is that the trust never stops existing throughout all the generations, so that's your goal. So you want you want to pass down the trust, so the trust keeps going. That's what that's what your priority needs to be for you to be able to, you know, make, make use of it. I mean, uh, I, I certainly what I certainly hope that my grandson and my great grandson are going to co- continue using the trust, or my granddaughters too, I should say. You know, um, that's that I'm leaving a legacy for them. And any any uh, in the life insurance, the death benefits. Whenever I go and my death benefit comes, it stays in the trust, you know. And you know we're going to put policies on my 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 children. And when my when my my uh, grandson reaches eighteen, I put a tr- you know, one on him, and we just perpetuate. It's like a vortex; it just keeps going. 
Now, do the beneficiaries get any, are you able to give the beneficiaries anything? Uh, you, you can know, pay for whatever they need. And that's not a taxable event. <laughs> if you pay them money, that's a disbursement. They'll pay, they'll pay ordinary income on that. So if you want to pay for the beneficiaries college. Yes. Pay for the trust their house. Pays for it directly. If you, pay, if you pay for their house, it goes into the yes. trust. Yes, it's a trust property, and they can then the, the trust pays for everything having to do with the trust. I mean, the 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 house. Same for okay. vehicles. Same for any property. They become trust property. The trust pays for everything. Like I said, you cannot pay them personally. That's a disbursement. They can take it. You can if you want. I'm just saying it's a taxable event. But you, I mean, I'm not saying you can't pay them. Just understand that if you do that, it's a disbursement and it'll be charged as ordinary income for them, not the trust for them. Like I said, a lot of, you know, you'll, you'll find that when you do this, very little, very rarely do you need to take cash. And if you do take it from the demand note, I asked the, the CPA, Richard, um, last month, I said, Richard, in your 30 years, 30 plus years of doing this, have any of your clients ever exhausted a demand note? He said, no, not one. Over a thousand clients minimum. He says, not one time they ever, they ever burned through their demand note. So because the trust well, can pay for so much, so much of the, uh, so much of their expenses. So if the children <clears throat> want a monthly income or something, it's advised not to give them like a monthly expense. You can. You can do that. Just understand it's, it's taxable at, at ordinary income. That's all. I mean, you know, it depends on how much they want, but I mean, it depends on how much your demand note is. It would be better to pay, you know, do it as a demand note instead of that. But that's up to you. I'm saying you can. But if you think about it as a beneficiary, if you're paying for almost all their expenses, they don't need a heck of a lot of money. Correct. <laughs> um, Kathleen, I did, uh, the trustee administers the trust. OK, so, um, you know, you're you, when you buy a trust, and you set this up, you administer the trust as a trustee. Now, like I said, they will, uh, you know, you'll be advised on, on all this stuff. Everything will be set up for you. You have an entire year of free consultation unlimited to make sure that everything is correct. And you know how to run it and so forth. Uh, you don't need an estate planning attorney because uh, there is no estate because everything is in the trust. So if I die and I have cars or property in there, then, um, uh, you know, then it just stays in there. And then the, the next trustee is the one that takes over. And they, yeah, they, yeah, exactly. Kathy, you can ask, exactly. You can take over, you know, take a loan as the cash value. True as well. A hundred percent. Um, I don't know what to tell you as far as how would any one of us expect our heirs to understand this? I mean, they have to be educated. Um, and you know, the thing is, is that, you know, if there's resources available, I'm not saying that we're either the accounting firm that we're working with or IWS or, you know, that's going to say after, you know, 12 months and one day, they're going to say, okay, sorry, can't help you. You're on your own. Good luck. No, I mean, I mean, they'll, they, they may charge you a little bit for it, but you always have resources to be able to go over, um, you know, or go over, uh, how it should be done. As someone who's done this, it's not 
as hard as you think. It's actually, for me, the running the S-Corp was more of a hassle than running the trust. And I ran an S-Corp for, for 19 years. So I'm just telling you, it's not, if you think this is so complicated, it's not. <coughs> it is actually much it's more simple. It's simpler than, than when I was running my S-Corp. So, uh, but, um, uh, and by the way, so Peggy, yeah, there's no, there's, there's no estate taxes or inheritance taxes. Right, because you don't own anything. Right. Uh, but you still need a bookkeeper, right, to take yeah, care of books. Of course, yes, yes, 100%. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you can't get it. You got you to you you have someone. Uh, you know, yeah, you bet. It's not going to be me. Yeah, I don't do it either. I don't do it either. And your beneficiaries, can you um, say you want to give someone more of a percentage yes. of the you can you can give yes. them you can kick you can kick them out if you want. So they better be nice to you, huh? I mean, talk about the ultimate control. <laughs> Marianne. You can literally, you can literally boot them. So, you know, have that uh, okay. So um Kathleen. Uh, revocable living trust, how is this better? Well, for one thing, you cannot get any of this tax savings with a revocable living trust. So if you want to not pay any capital gains taxes ever, if you want to be able to you know, convert 97% of your business's ordinary, uh, 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 net income into passive income that's not going to be taxed, then... You know, if you don't want that, then do a living trust. I mean, revocable living trust, absolutely. But there's no tax advantages that way. This is for people, primarily designed for people who want to get 100% asset protection on their assets. Use this as a vehicle to, to uh, create uh, generational wealth and protect their assets and then get incredible tax savings, tax reductions with this as well. So there's other trusts that can do this or that, but they can't do everything like this one does. Uh, go ahead, Peggy. So I'm just thinking about the um, setting up a foundation, but this uh -huh. avoids setting up a foundation the way it sounds. If uh, the trust then contributes, uh, so my my foundation that I'm thinking about is uh, grants for kids to get uh -huh. educated, but the the trust could just pay for that. The trust could just pay for that. It doesn't have to be in a foundation. It doesn't have to be a 501c3 or anything. Well, I mean, it can pay for the beneficiaries. It can't, if you're going to, it would have to be paid into a third party for that not to be a taxable event. Right. Well, it to can pay 501. to the foundation, yes. Right. So you paid that money to the foundation in the name of whoever it is that mm -hmm. should be getting the yes. education. So, yes. but you can't, so it still has to go to a 501c3. I'm not happy about that. Okay. I mean, it's like, in this point of view, it's just like anything else. I mean, it, it's a charitable contribution. So uh, it can make charitable contributions. And yeah. the trust. Oh, Peggy, did you have another question? Um, the trust can hold any kinds of assets. Yes. Or if you have more than one business. Yes. So You've got the real estate, then you've got a manufacturing company or whatever. 
all of that? Yes, can... it can. Yes. Uh, if you start getting into multiple businesses, then it's it's much more cumbersome to run that through an LLC, one LLC. So you would either have to, to set up multiple LLCs so that way the money can be it can be used as a pass through to get the passive income, you know, take the ordinary income into the, to make it passive and get into the trust. Or you can yeah. get a business trust where you can um, you can it's, it operates much more efficiently in this scenario. The advantage is that if you put a business trust in there for multiple businesses, then you have the same asset protection umbrella around it, whereas your LLCs don't have any asset protection to speak of. So, um, but you know, for as a basic level, you can run your real estate investing business through one LLC. But just understand that LLC doesn't have any asset protection. The money that's in the LLC until it gets to the ass into the trust is vulnerable. If someone wants to sue the LLC, they can. There's no protection. They could get you know once a lawsuit hits, boom, you can't transfer funds, right? So if you put everything in a business trust, they can't crack the business trust, and so your income is also protected from beginning to end. But for some people, that's not that big of a deal. Uh, you can do either way. So um, yes, uh, Clarence. Clarence, yes. You're so, can't hear regarding, you. Regarding Peggy's yes. question about uh, funding uh, uh, education for kids, for uh, the beneficiaries. Okay, for the benefit for the beneficiaries only. Yes. Okay. Okay. It is it a trust expense for the beneficiaries? Okay. Now, could okay. could your your foundation be a beneficiary though? No, it has to be. You can't have an you cannot have an organization or an entity inside the trust. Okay, so you'd have to put specific names in. Mm -hmm. Yes, <laughs> you can pay. You can pay to charitable organizations, and then that's that's not a taxable event. Okay, so so your foundation would be outside the trust, but you could pay to them. Yes, yes. Like yeah. any other company, it's a charitable contribution. Okay. Right. So that would make it. The one, one way you could do it would be to, if you decided you wanted to bless a, uh, you know, a child, you can put that child into the trust as a beneficiary, and then that's fine. Because remember, the beneficiary does not have any power at all. In the trust, it's all the trustee. It's a hundred percent discretion for the trustee, and the trust the trust can pay for whatever the the uh, you know all you know education, housing, you know all that stuff can be paid for uh, by the trust. You just can't pay the beneficiary directly unless that beneficiary is okay with being taxed on a, that disbursement. That's why you know, for example, uh, my son. You know, he's he um, this is his last year. He turns 21 in September. So the previous two years, I just made the, the payments directly <laughs> to the university. OK, I didn't pay him. I paid to the university dorm meal plans, books, whatever to the to the university itself. That's the trust pays for that. Yes. And do you, have, do you have to say anything in it like this is going to be for college or for that or just. That person. Well, I, mean, I mean, obviously, you have a paper trail, right? Because you're you have a receipt yeah. from the place, so you just label that for 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 beneficiaries education. Okay. okay. Yes, Minnie. Um, say there is politics going on in family, and the 
latest trustee is not getting along with some of the beneficiaries, can he create trouble for them? Yes. I mean, I, I hate to sugarcoat it, but yes, that, that trustee has 100% power. Mm. So if you don't like that beneficiary, goodbye beneficiary. Basically, yes. Yes, Claire. Very, very dangerous. <laughs> I mean, you know, some people, you know, I mean, some people will hire an attorney to be the trustee, uh, but that can also be a little bit dangerous. <laughs> that, 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 that attorney's going to have total control of your trust, but um, you can have an agreement between the parties and so forth. But um, <clears throat> that's, that's the one thing about the about the tr trust is that it's it's uh, it's, it's discretionary. It's hundred percent. You know, the, the trustee has hundred percent control. Yes, so you I might want your successor trustee to be an attorney if you're worried about members of the family having issues. Yeah. Uh, yes, Peggy, absolutely right. Bring in a trustee, pay for the education, and then when they're done, yes, give them the heave-ho. Yes, Clarence, go ahead. Oh, sound you're, again. You're muted again. Yep. We can't hear you. There you go. I guess the space bar is not working. Anyway, uh, so in Peggy's situation, can you bring in as many beneficiaries as you want? Yes. And does relation amount to anything? No. So she doesn't need to set up a, fund, a foundation at all, right? Like she I said, like I said earlier, you can bring someone in as a beneficiary. Right. And multiple. Yeah. Yes. Multiple people. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, I'm sorry if I didn't make that clear before. I mean, it's, no, no. I'm, yeah. You yeah. can there's no restriction on who's the beneficiary. It doesn't have to be a family. Member. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Now I, now I so have to become to say, a multimillionaire. They used to say you can't pick your family, but in this, you can pick who you like. You pick your beneficiary. The family. <laughs> exactly. Yes, Clarence. And you, um... <coughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so, uh, are are you saying a trust cannot be sued? Or it can be sued. Be Anybody can be sued. It's just okay. as a spendthrift has a spendthrift provision. When it gets in front of a judge, the judge will toss it. Any 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 lawsuit against a, a trust? This trust is so powerful that it can it can stop eminent domain. In fact, it has stopped eminent domain many times. Okay. It's by far the best asset protection out there. I mean, LLCs in Wyoming, all that stuff that you hear talking about, it's all crap. I'm sorry, it's crap. You, you, you can any determined any determined attorney can crack it. It might take a little more work, but they can get to it. In fact, we have an attorney. Uh, I know him very well, Gene Chavez. Gene Chavez, and um, I asked him about that because he said because he he uh, he's a litigant. He he sues people. You know, he he's a hired gun. And he said the reason why he bought the trust was because it's the one thing he couldn't crack. So, like I said, criminal activity or fraud. 
If you don't, if they if they can't prove that, they cannot get to it. Any more questions or? Yeah, so just to reiterate, just to reiterate, um, you know, I do urge clients that when they do become, they do uh, invest in the trust to start using the trust as their vehicle for to do their infinite banking. We call it vortex banking, uh, you know, to get, have the trust be the, the, the owner of the policies, have the trust be the beneficiary. You can use the beneficiaries as the insured parties, but everything stays in the trust because again, there's no taxes on anything. You don't have to put a term writer on uh, any, 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 any insured party. And you can get almost immediately to your 70 to 90% uh, ability to borrow off your cash value of your property, which is be your policy uh, very quickly. And, and the, the, the carrier is coming out with some really interesting policies here uh, next month or so where, you know, there's going to be not, there's going to be a much higher ceiling of how the, of the policy can be. You're, you're restricted, you know, with uh, traditional uh, um, infinite banks, uh, strategies that, that won't, won't exist very much longer in the, for the trust. So that's an amazing investment vehicle that you can use inside the trust. So that's even an added bonus of what you can do with this trust that you can't do any, anywhere else. Well, if you already have the infinite banking uh, policy set up, can that be transferred into the trust? No. Okay, thank you. No. We'll talk to Kathy about that. Yeah, Clarence. This would be great, Don. Thank you so very, very much. Yeah, Clarence. How much does all this cost? Uh, it's $15,000 one-time investment for the trust. Any other questions? Yeah. Uh, what do you get for that? I mean, do they set it up? You get the trust, you get the trust, you get the, you get the actual trust. Uh, you get a year's worth of unlimited uh, uh, consultation with both uh, the, the company IWS and the accounting firm everything they'll make sure they'll hold your hand and make sure everything is set up correctly that your assets are sold correctly your bank account everything is done so you will have you know you're not going to be I mean it, it was amazing right you know for me it just it was, it was crazy how how it was like okay I got this problem what do I do here oh okay great thanks we'll do that and um, so it's- That's it's with awesome. the trust company and the accounting firm? Yes. And like and I said, the first year's accounting, if you choose to use them, they'll do your tax return as part of the investment. It's, it's a mini, it's 15, one five comma zero, 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 15. What about for state licenses? Do you have to be, I mean, you're talking about Texas, but I'm in California. Don't they have to be licensed in the state? Trust is not a licensable um, uh, transaction. Isn't it? Do you want to write a policy? Yes. I mean, I'm a licensed life and health agent, but I don't have, I don't need to be licensed to sell the trust. The company is not to be licensed to sell a trust. Huh. Yeah. Amazing, amazing information. Thank you so much, Don. Really. Not a problem. Not a problem. So uh, what I'm going to do here is uh, I'm going to leave my, uh, my, uh, you, I, I think my, my contact number is here. Okay. 
And, um, you know, I'll be glad to send anybody who wants more information about this, be glad to send it to you. I'm sorry, I need to, that was direct. Let me put this out for everybody. Uh, 407 902 7827. Okay, Don Thornton. All right, and um, like I said, I'll be glad to send you more information if you need some. Uh, I know that uh, Richard, the accountant, did a couple of really good videos about how this works. He goes, he goes through it in much more detail than I did tonight. Good. I mean, so uh, you can have a lot of, uh, you know, um, you can watch that over and over again and get a better idea of it. So, uh, like I said, I mean, I guess I apologize for not having the presentation, but uh, we were having issues with Claire. So, uh, yeah. I so it, this is recorded, though, Marianne, you got the recording, right? We could get it from you. Well, I'll I'll get it to her because I'm the one she made me host, so I've got I'm recording it. So oh, all right. I'll yeah. get it to her somehow, and then she can distribute it as you guys like. Yeah, but, I missed the first ten minutes, so I would like to listen. Like I said, just send me an email, and I can send you the the okay. uh, the CPA's recordings as well. Very nice of you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Glad to help. What a great presentation. I love what I learn. All right. Well, thank you guys very much. If there's no questions, I'll go ahead and uh, I'll end the uh, session. So. Thanks, Don. Okay, thank hey, you guys. Is this, is this the first time I've seen you impressed? Oh. Will you talk to me? No, I'm asking Peggy. Is this the first time that we have seen Peggy impressed? Oh, maybe. Peggy is usually the hardest question. That's yeah. fun, Clarence. You know, I go on a lot of these and I meet a lot of speakers that are very impressive, actually. Did you know? Excuse me, Don, for taking over, but I met a gal who paid for her college by buying one parking space. I didn't know you could buy one parking space. So I'm bragging about her putting herself through college by owning one parking space that was brilliant on her end. I've just never seen, it out? Parking, I've never seen one parking space for sale. <laughs> Peggy, <laughs> you need to do a webinar on that. <laughs> Zoom in out on that. <laughs> What'd you uh, ask, Marianne? Um, that she rented it out then? Yeah, she kept it rented 24-7. <laughs> Paid for her college. My God. It's great. Thank you very much, Don. Good night. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See you in Orlando. All right. <laughs>